everyone. Welcome to the This Perfect Day podcast. I'm your host, Phil. And well, I'm actually flying solo here today. Our intrepid skeptic side co-host, Brett, will not be joining us for this episode. Instead, we're going to be doing something a little bit different for today's show. I'm going to interview a guest. Mike is a longtime friend, someone I've known for, well, I guess it's over a quarter of a century now, uh, a fellow old timer. Uh, uh, and Mike happens to be an expert on the topic of Bigfoot, Sasquatch, that most elusive and perhaps most famous cryptozoological creature. We're going to be discussing some, well, how do I say it? Some rather out there theories about the nature of Bigfoot. And I'm going to go ahead and say right now that some of this even pushes me to the limits. And, and you know me, I'm usually all in when it comes to putting on the old tinfoil hat and getting weird. <laughs> uh, but enough about all that. Uh, let's go ahead and get into it. I'd like to say hello to our guest. Hi, Mike. Thanks for joining the show today. Hey, Phil. How's it going? Hey. Uh, it's, it's going good. I, I'm really excited to talk to you about this. Uh, as you know, we've had we've had co multiple conversations over the years on all sorts of things, and uh, you know, we usually, you know, if we get to talking about whatever it is, I think usually our conversations kind of venture off into into interesting spaces. And we talk about UFOs, we talk about Bigfoot, and we talk about paranormal stuff all the time. So it's just you know part of our normal dialogue. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's always fun and. What's what's crazy is that it, over the you know the last probably couple of years, I, I, you know I've detected this deepening in uh, your interest and um, passion and also knowledge about the about the topic of Sasquatch, and it's just fascinating to me, fascinating. And I think some of the things that you're that you're uncovering and and, and getting into are, are things that our audience would really be interested in, in listening to. So that's that that's how this today's show came about. Um, and for me personally, I, you know, my, my interest in Bigfoot is, you know, you know, since being a kid, I, I've always been fascinated by the, by the unknown. So Bigfoot, Loch Ness Monster, UFOs, you know, anything like that was always, you know, kind of, you know, a topic of a book that would be on my nightstand at any, you know, any given day when I was growing up. And, and I guess I'm, I'm now you know, I would now be considered a traditionalist or a conservative <laughs> when it comes to Bigfoot perspective. Like, I, like when I think of Bigfoot, I think of, oh, okay, this is some creature that lives in the woods that's very shy and elusive, um, you know, stays out of sight. It's probably just another branch in the evolutionary tree, maybe distant cousin to Homo sapien, you know, that's, uh, they live around the world. It's not just confined to the Pacific Northwest. You know, there's Yeti, Yetis and, you know, other types of hairy hominids, I guess, um, that are, that are, that are around the world. Um, so I, I just kind of can consider, you know, I guess I'm in, I'm in that camp or have been until you've started enlightening me about all the, you know, the depth that this can go into. So I, I don't know if that's a good lead off or not, but, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> I, I just think that with our, with our backgrounds, like in engineering and things, we just inherently have this, um, this want or this need to solve problems you know it, it doesn't matter what kind of problem it is so anytime there's a question or a project you're working on or anything you're doing we always want to find answers it's just the way an analytical mind works and um this is a problem that no one has been able to solve and um 
So I think that uh, I think they're, we're we're using the wrong the the wrong way to find answers to this subject. You know, that's kind of I, I just like thinking outside the box when it comes to things like this. That's a, that's a really cool way to put this into context. You know, it's a, it's, it's a problem. It's a mystery that can be solved using logic and put putting pieces of a puzzle together, that, that kind of thing. Um, so, and I think that leads right into what, and if you take us back a little bit into what got you interested in Bigfoot and how this kind of came about and then kind of maybe try, try to build a case for us, but build, build the story of how it became something that was intriguing to you and how you started to find clues and, you know, fit these puzzle pieces together. Well, I, uh, you know, really, uh, I got interested with you, you know, back in our, back in our college days and, uh, talking about it. And I really don't think much of anything's impossible. I, I always try to keep an open mind to everything. And, so, you know, I just started kind of looking into it and, you know, reading stuff back then you didn't have all the, the internet and everything uh, <laughs> right, like right. you do now, but, but, um, and I'm an outdoors kind of guy, you know, I was in the military for some time and I like to hunt, I like to fish and, uh, so I'm always outdoors and, you know, I look at the behavior of animals and things like that. So, you know, over the last several years, I've really just kind of, you know, stood in the background. I'm not like an active Bigfoot hunter or a, a Sasquatch investigator. I haven't, I haven't had a personal encounter. I just sit back and listen. And I try to take the little pieces of everything I've heard and watched and seen and, uh, you know, just try to, like you said, put the jigsaw puzzle together. Just try to think outside the box. You know, I got some interesting theories, I guess. Oh, I know you do. And I, I can't, I can't wait to get into them. And it's, uh, when I listen to you talk about it, I just sit sometimes in fascination and I think, oh my gosh. And that, and it fits together pieces in my mind of other things. That, that, so a lot, of, a lot of it makes a, makes a lot of sense. And maybe we can kind of start to build that mosaic. So if we're talking about a puzzle here as an analogy, you know, what are, what are the corner pieces? Like what, what are the main pieces that you started to build your framework on? Well, I, I think that, um, the problem, one of the problems is, is that everyone's basic theory for Sasquatch is that it's this creature, another animal in the woods or a missing link, you know, uh, from evolution. That's what, that that's what I always exists. thought. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, and, I, you I, know, I've been in that camp. Yeah. It's this, it's this hairy creature walking through the woods that we haven't discovered yet. And, mm -hmm. you know, and if you really think about it, if you have a, you know, eight to 10 foot tall beast walking through the woods, I know there's millions of acres that are uninhabited that we haven't even been to, but sure. You know, how, how have we not come up with anything or find anything, especially if there are people out there actively looking at people that, you know, actively believe that they're there. I mean, we've dis right. discovered animals that we didn't even know existed uh, in the last, you know, 10 years. We, found new species of animals that we're not even looking for this one we're looking for and we can't find anything. And, and these are, and these are hunters and investigators that are pretty well equipped, you know, from a technical technological yeah. perspective, you know, these days, especially. And yeah, it's like everyone cameras has, a, has a, yeah, a camera with them, a phone, you know? Right. And, uh, I think it's just a warm and fuzzy with everybody. Hey, it's just an animal. And, um, that's how we're approaching it. And I think the other problem, and this is where we're going to start getting into some weird stuff, 
I think the other problem is we're, yeah, we're, <laughs> we're trying to explain, we're trying to solve a problem and explain an issue with things that we have been taught and things that we learn here on earth. So all we know is what we've been taught and what we've discovered. So on a scientific level or a technological level, a biological level, you know, whatever it might be, we're trying to explain everything with what we know. And that's the problem is that there are things that we don't know. And the proof of that is the government just, I mean, they just said that there's UFOs. They just released it last, what was it, last year that they admitted yep. to uh, UFO activity and they've been studying it and whatever. So we don't even need to debate that. So, yeah. So in your mind, if you say, okay, well, the government says there's UFOs or whatever coming into our atmosphere, then um, your next question should be, well, where, where did they come from and how did they get here? Obviously, we can't do it and we can't explain it. So you have to think outside of the box and think, okay, well, maybe, uh, maybe we're going, we don't have to use jet engines and the things that we, we think only exist here on Earth to uh, explain these things. I think we have to think outside the box. That's such a, that's such a good point that applies to so many things, not just, not just this, this topic. Right. And then when you start talking about stuff that with it, we're not familiar with, it makes people uncomfortable. And then it starts making people think that you're some kind of freak or weirdo, you know, why is, why is that? Why, why do people get uncomfortable with, with, with these topics? I wonder. I guess that's a whole other. I just think it's, it's the, the unknown scares people. Obviously, I don't know the answers, but nobody else does either. And what, what everyone else is doing to try to explain it or the things that they're saying, that they're not right. So, you, you know, you can listen to this and you can say, I'm not right. I don't care. But it's just another theory, some other ideas about what's going on. And I think a lot of it starts with, uh, I wouldn't even say technology. It just starts with uh, things we're not comfortable with and we don't know here, like bending, bending space and time. And, hmm. you know, the government says these UFOs or they exist and they come into here. Well, how do they get here? You know, may, maybe, maybe we're the species in the, in the universe. Maybe we're the stupidest species in the universe and we're the only ones that don't know how to do this. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I think when you think of Sasquatch, you can't think of an animal or a human. I mean, we don't even know if they breathe oxygen. We just assume they do. You know, you right. know, you know what I mean? We, 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 we don't, you know, we assume they hear like we do. We assume they see like we do. They smell like us. You know, they um, walk like us. Just because they have two legs and two arms and stand upright, we assume they have human features and human abilities. Mm. But I just don't mm. think that's right. I think they're just another alien for the most part, and one, you know, you can't define alien as a little three foot creature with a big head and big black eyes. An alien is an alien is someone that's not of this world. That that's my definition of an alien. So, and, and, and do they, and do they come here in spacecraft? I don't think so. No. I mean, I, I think that let's start with this. Let's start with what I would call the Rubik's cube theory. Now, if you take, let's say, a huge Rubik's cube, and let's say it's made of a sponge, just so I can, we can say it's flexible. Everyone thinks a Rubik's cube is solid. And then you, you set 
a marble on the Rubik's cube and you take another Rubik's cube and you smash it on top of that one. So you have two Rubik's cubes smashed together with a, a marble or a golf ball in the middle. So all of these lines bend around that marble or that golf ball in the middle of these two spongy Rubik's cubes, all these lines, all these cubes that um, are connected by these lines and intersections. So the golf ball or the marble would be earth and the Rubik's cube would be space. And so I wow. think that space is in this geometric pattern with um, lines and intersections or how, what you would say like geometric cubes that we can't see. And I think that the intersection of these cubes could be something like a portal. So I think things in other planets, universes, you know, in the universe, other galaxies, whatever you want to say, I think they can travel along these lines, these Rubik's cube lines and go to these intersections, which are portals. And they can, they can travel along these, you know, along these lines and these portals, because think about it, Phil, when something, when someone sees a UFO, it appears, okay, let's say it appears and it comes out of a portal as a ball of light. Okay. Then it, it, it removes itself from that portal and it just kind of floats around, does whatever it does. People are looking at it or whatever. When it leaves, it, it, they, they all seem to go to one, go one direction quick and then they're gone. It's almost like they go to another portal and then they hit that line, that straight line and boom, mm. and they go at, you know, the speed of light or, or beyond and they're gone. And, uh, you know, you see a lot of them when they're moving erratically or fast or they come in and out that they're moving at these right angles, I think. So I, I'm not saying they travel along those all the time. I'm saying they use these lines to get here or to other places in the universe. They come out of the portal into the, that area or atmosphere. Let's say it's our planet. And then, then they're in our world. Okay. And then they can hit them again, hit this, uh, this other portal, and then they're gone again. So fascinating. What, what you just described is kind of the, it's the storyboard for every piece of credible, credible quote unquote UFO footage I've ever seen where, where, the, where there are these kind of darting movements that are these straight line kind of right angle, you know, kind of. Right. And they always, and they always seemingly impossible they trajectories. They always start as a ball of light and then it might be this huge spacecraft. So it's almost like they travel as a ball of light along these portal lines. Let's just call them. And they come out of the portal, they're this huge aircraft, or, or maybe they're small and people describe them. Now they're in our world. They're between the intersections of the cube, okay? They're in, all, they're in, all, in our atmosphere and they're floating around doing whatever, observing, looking at us, thinking that we're stupid because we're driving cars around and living in, <laughs> living in structures, <laughs> weird stuff. And, and then, then they move quick and they're gone in another ball of light, you know? So yeah. I, you know, um, I just think they're able to, uh, they're able to move. You can say it's between dimensions or, or whatever. And this, and this is the model for what we call Bigfoot moving into our reality along one of these lines and, and, and then appearing as a, a ball of light or what? I think just as a body, I think that, um, they have a, a psyche, that probably allows them to do this. I mean, their, their heads are 25% bigger than ours minimum. Their brains are, and 
that would open up some ideas to, well, they have some kind of psychic or ESP ability, you know, if, mm. if their brains are bigger than ours. And I think that they're able to access um, these portals and travel, you know, like a ball of light. I mean, I, you know, um, yeah. we see it as a ball of light. You know, th th I don't know how they would see it because we've never done it. Um, you know, maybe they just, you know, o open their eyes and they're at a new portal. But um, I think that they can see these portals because I don't think they see like we do. Uh, I think that they, yeah. Yeah. you know, my, one of my other theories is I think they can see, you know, like RF signals. You know, I think they see at a different part of the EMF, the spectrum than we do. You know, our, we were talking about this before. Our vision is super limited, right? I mean, you, you yes. know that on the EMF spectrum, you know, we have this little sliver that we can see. Well, you know, obviously other animals can see better than, than we do. A, a lot of them like deer, they can see at night, you know? And so yeah. who's to say that Sasquatch can't see, you know, below and above that spectrum, which would give them automatic night vision, like they're seeing in the daytime. But I think they can see RF signals. I think they can see electricity. I think they can see us as electricity because we do emit, emit an art, right? We, we admit an RF signal, right? Sure. And uh, I think they can see trail cameras on trees. They got batteries in them. I think they can see, uh, I think they can see all this technology that we're trying to use to, to detect them. And I think they, they see us from a mile away. Uh, and that's why they're, they're always undetectable. Um, it, you know, it'd be like us using a, a thermal. That's kind of how they, how they would see if we see a heat signature. But, you know, sometimes our thermals are limited. You know, if something's behind a tree, you can't see it. But I think they can, you know, see through that kind of stuff, uh, these these RF signals. And I think that's one, that's why they stay in the woods. Too much interference being around a city. And uh, I think that's why they're able to stay off of trail cameras. And, yep. you know, yeah, they, know they, 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 they know when a researcher's holding a thermal, they can see it. You know, that thing's emitting all kinds of, you know, signals. And um, yep. I, I just think they see um, a different part of the, of the spectrum than, than we do. And we, that's fascinating. Yeah. It's thinking outside the box. And this, and this goes, and this gets into that ongoing riddle, which is, well, it seems that their elusiveness far exceeds just shyness or, you know, right. I mean, animal wariness, you know, it, it's, it's beyond that. So maybe there's some extra sensory capability and it, it reminds, reminds me of tons of tons of things like this, this, I think goes beyond you've you've connected the dots between the classical you know UFO appearances and appearances and movements you know, space time movements of, of of a creature like Bigfoot, but I think it spills over into other things as well. I mean, when people see a ghost, who's to say they're not looking you know at a time you know shift in right. one of these in one of these lines, one of these portals, right? You know, or seeing another dimension or all types of different aliens. I think I told you before last in one of our last conversations that I remember having a book as a kid that was, and I don't see this kind of thing around anymore, uh, that identified all the different types of alien creatures. And one of them was like a, you know, this is back in the seventies and this is, this is probably mm -hmm. before star Wars. This could have been a book from the fifties or sixties that I, that I had. And, you know, it had like a, Chewbacca looking creature in it as one of the classical alien types. It wasn't just aliens weren't just the, you know, the little almond eyed 
grays that were that, 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 the, that the whole of alien seems to have been compressed into these days and, and there was definitely like a bigfoot looking creature and i thought nothing of it at the time but now it, speaking to you about this kind of thing reminds me of that and i think oh my gosh well this is just another this is another creature that's not you know maybe even flesh and blood like we would consider it that comes from some other world and is here you know, right. something for, for its own reasons. Well, you know, a lot of the um, uh, eyewitness Sasquatch uh, encounters, you know, they see balls of light. And hmm. so think about this. Let's say, uh, you know, a Sasquatch is moving on these portal lines. There's a campsite. Let's say they move and they, they see this ball of light. And then the ball of light kind of moves around and then it's gone. They see all the time. And then later on, they hear you know, they have these encounters with Bigfoot. That happens all the time, okay, in these, really? in these encounters. I mean, I've heard it time and time again. And, you know, maybe they're traveling along and they're about to step through the portal and they stop and they can see, oh, crap, there's a campsite there. There's people there or there's something there. I don't want to get out. And they, boom, they go to another portal, you know, a little another intersection in this Rubik's Cube, and that's where they get out of the portal because they didn't want to get out before. It's just like me and you, we're driving around. I need to stop and get gas. You know, I'm driving around the city and I, and I drive and I stop at a gas station and I look around and I go, whoa, this, this, this is a rough part of town. Like uh, I might get mugged here or shot. Uh, let me go to the next gas station. So you don't get out of your car, you drive and you continue to drive to the next gas station. And then when you think that one's safe, you get out and you pump your gas. Okay, it's the same yep. thing traveling these portals. I think they stop, they can look, they can see what's going on, they can either move or they can step out of this portal and get out right there. I think that that is a possibility uh, with, with these creatures or, and with UFOs. It, it could be just a regular uh, UFO or what people would consider a regular alien when they see a ball of light and uh, then it, it goes away. Um, I, was, I've, I was unaware of this connection between seeing mysterious lights and seeing... Um, Bigfoots or, or, or Sasquatch creatures, uh, but I know there are all sorts of stories. I mean, almost every locality has some ghost story about phantom lights on a railroad track or phantom lights in the woods or whatever. That you know, where places, right. physical locations where where orbs and and, and lights are seen. I, I, you know, this just makes me. And I, it, me. it doesn't happen all the time with with encounters, but it happens a lot. And I think it happens. Yeah. I think it just happens when they're traveling uh, along these hmm. uh, these portal lines, where people will see them or they hear them. They'll be like, "Something's right there. It's twenty feet away. They're shining their lights. They don't see anything." They, you know, they hear. Everyone says, "I hear this thing coming through the woods like a like a front loader, like a big bulldozer, just tearing trees down, this and that." <laughs> and all of a sudden, it's gone. It vanished. Hmm. They don't hear anything. There's nothing there. Where did it go? Where did it go? You know what I mean? How could something so big just be gone instantly? I think that yeah. Sasquatch is able to, you know, he sees that you're getting close, too close for, for their comfort. And they're able to see with their um, advanced spectrum of vision, uh, they can see the portal, whether it's a little ball or whether it's a looks like static on a TV. Yeah, I don't know what it looks like, but he, they can see these portals around them. And they head to that nearest portal and they and they're gone they're just wow. gone i think they're able to access these portals and i think it's through infrasound so in infrasound infra, what is infrasound. what is infrasound well you know you know we you know we, we also have a limited 
spectrum for what we can hear as humans, you know, and, um, Oh, I got you. So this is outside of our auditory. Right. You know, I mean, you know, they, they say lions and stuff use infrasound to, you know, stun their prey and things like this. And it's well below, mm. well below our hearing spectrum and we can't hear it, but there are two things. There are a couple of things that make me think this one is the Navajo Indians. They have a theory and they have legends that say that thousands of years ago, these aliens, and I'm not just saying Sasquatch, would use infrasound to access these portals. And they, they said infrasound and they said portals. And really, yeah. And, uh, you know, I saw a, recently an interview with a Navajo and he was explaining it. But not only that, there's another. Uh, another good show that's on right now, the Skinwalker Ranch. It's pretty interesting. Mm. They think they've discovered a portal probably above this ranch. They don't show it a lot, but when they do, every time they get activity in that ranch, there is always an infrasound signal on their equipment. They, they see it. Mm. They can't hear it. And someone sometimes will get sick because some infrasound will make me and you sick. It'll make us feel queasy um, or scared. And... They always get this infrasound signal. And when some of these researchers take some of their audio back, the problem is they're listening to it. You know, they record this audio and they're just listening to yep. it. I don't hear anything. I don't hear them chattering or talking or whooping or whatever they do. But why don't you take it somewhere and, and, and look at the frequencies that you just recorded? If you think you were close to a Sasquatch, what you need uh. you need to look at the frequencies and see if there's some infrasound there because Believe it or not, a lot of these researchers that have done that have found that there's infrasound uh, in, in the background. And I think that's these things, um, you know, whether they're trying to uh, uh, scare us or, or make us feel frightened with the infrasound, or maybe they're accessing a, you know, a portal or, or accessing the way they move. You know, maybe that's, maybe that's uh, you know, uh, something involved. Or communicating. Or, or communicating. Or who knows we why. can't hear it. Um, so one thing, the one thing the researchers probably should do is, um, hey, you know, you're out there recording. You need to take it back and look and see what frequencies you just recorded. Just because you don't hear anything doesn't mean nothing's there. You know what I mean? Right. So, so that's a theory that these portals can be accessed, you know, with infrasound. They can make them open up, let's say, with infrasound, you know, go, go through them or into them or, or however you want to, however you want to say it. So I, I think they can see them and I think they can access them with things that we're not comfortable with, with things we can't see and things that we can't hear. Well, well when they're, when they're here, if they let's say they manifest into our reality mm -hmm. for a brief amount of time, are they, they're making sound in the woods, right? They're, yeah. I think they're still, they're, they're still physical. Sometimes leaving footprints, yes. sometimes leaving hair. Mm -hmm. I mean, there, there, there is some physical evidence that's, yeah, that I, I mean, I'm not saying it's some kind of ghost, you know, or, or something that's not real. I think it's a physical creature, a physical being. I think it's just from another, another world, you know, I, um, right. you know, when it comes into our reality, yes, it can break trees and leave footprints and hunt deer and eat and do whatever it does over here. And it's doing the same thing wherever it's from too. And, you know, maybe they stay here. I think they just come here to feed quite honestly just just to eat but that's just my that's just another one of my theories i mean we have a lot of a lot of wildlife and vegetation on earth um 
if you had a planet, let's say that was just full of Sasquatch, let's say there's just a planet that was no, nothing but uh, cryptids or creatures or whatever. I mean, the, the, the food supply would go pretty quick. I mean, think about if human beings did not grow food, produce food, uh, raise cattle, everything we do to feed ourselves, if we didn't do any of that, if we were just an animal, let's say, like a, like, like, like a Sasquatch or a deer or whatever in the woods, the resources on this planet would go pretty quick. Don't you agree? I mean, like, wouldn't we run out of food pretty quick if every human being on this earth was eating deer, squirrel, turkey, birds, plants out in the woods? If all we had to eat was what was on this earth, animal-wise and vegetation-wise, we would have ran out of food a long time ago. Don't you agree? Right. Well, I think, yeah, we've, we've clearly broken away from natural rhythms and seasons of food production and availability for sure we've done that on purpose to avoid exactly what you're describing yeah <laughs> and so maybe maybe some of these places that these uh cryptids or whatever you want to call them come from sasquatch mm. and the sasquatch and the like maybe they're you know th the food is just scarce where they're at and right. maybe uh earth is just one of the stops that they go to you know this isn't the only one oh. you know, hey let's go to mcdonald's you know what i mean oh no let's go to burger king or let's go to taco bell you know maybe they're on their yeah. planet going let's go to earth and uh and get a deer or let's go to planet so-and-so and get this other weird animal that we don't even know about to eat you know what i mean i mean right maybe right. maybe a, earth a, is a, on a deer can be a special list. delicacy yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah we're, <laughs> we're on their shopping list man you know hey I'm going to go to Kroger and get some food. Hey, let's go to Earth and get some, uh, get some of that nice <laughs> peanut butter or something. You know what I mean? I mean, you know, maybe, gotcha. maybe, maybe to them, uh, uh, an elk is a cuisine, you know, uh, the luxury food item to them. I don't know. You know, well, this is, well, this is the, an extension of the, the, the gas station quickie mart stop, right? Like sometimes you just want a little bag of Doritos right. and you just zip in there and. Right, to come here. Yeah, one and you're on your way. Come here and look around <laughs> and, and no, I don't see anything I like. This isn't a good area. Boom. You know, who's to say yep. they're they're going ten miles away? Maybe they're going to a whole different, you know, planet or something to 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 hunt. You know, and some of them probably stay here for a while. So so being here, so being in this reality, if only for a brief time to let's say take down a deer and enjoy a tasty snack before jumping back on the portal train and heading to who knows where in space and time. So they're able to interact with our world, but is the reverse true? Well, I, I think that, well, one of my other theories is that, um, you know, how they move or how they're able to move if they want to. And that would be kind of along the same lines as, as moving, you know, between portals, between planets or, or galaxies or whatever you want to say. And if you're able to do that, you're, you're able to bend space and time, which, which isn't, I, I don't think that's very far-fetched seeing that we know that UFOs have come over here. And, you know, Bob Lazar, his explanation of, you know, bending space uh, uh, for how UFOs move, I think it applies to Sasquatch. You know, if they're, you know, this um, alien being, being that um, is probably more intelligent than we are. Because, you know, we define intelligence as, I know math. I know history. I, <laughs> I, I can read, right? Uh, that, that's just, 
know, I mean, we might be the, we might be the stupidest people in the in, in the universe, and everyone's laughing at us. You know, Sasquatch might be looking at us like these guys are idiots. You know what I mean? Right. And, and, that, could, that could that could so be possible. And in fact, it, it, there's there's a layer beyond that where this goes back to what you were saying earlier about the way we think about things and the way we're taught to learn about things or, or whatever is so restricted. If we see a hairy ape-like creature, we automatically think, oh, well, that's, you know, that's a more primitive version of right. expression of somewhere in our distant family, primitive tree. There might've been some creature like that from which we have evolved. But we always put ourselves at the top of the pedestal. That's right. And just think, oh, well, <laughs> whereas it might be, the complete opposite complete of that. Opposite. Might, those creatures may be physically, intellectually, psychically superior. I mean, we look at them. We look at, we look at us at, and laugh. Yeah. We look at UFOs or aliens or whatever and think they look funny. I mean, look at us. They look at us and, you know, we sit right. there and talk about these encounters about how, you know, this Sasquatch looked like this. Well, this one was reddish brown and this one was white. I mean, look at us. None of us look alike unless you're a twin, you know. And for sure. So um, I think that, uh, you know, some of the things that they do, not just moving through the portals, but I think that they're able to to move in a different way. And, you know, a lot of this comes with some eyewitness things that I've heard. I, by the way, I listen to Sasquatch Chronicles a lot. It's a it's a podcast. There's a lot, a lot of witnesses. I was going to ask you about so many resources and that's, things. I mean, there's just we can, we can swing back around on that. Yeah, so many, so many interviews with eyewitnesses, and one of the things that a lot of people describe is how this thing moves, and a lot of them describe it as gliding. One one person described it as like a moonwalk. Uh, another hmm. person described it as one of those flat escalators, like you see at the airport. I don't know what you call those, but where you're walking, but you're moving faster than your legs are moving, right? Because you're on this belt. Yeah. And so some people say, oh, it didn't even look like it was touching the ground or it was gliding. It was moving faster than I've ever seen anything move. And so right. back to the uh, Bob like Lazar. The, 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 the yeah. gate doesn't match the It doesn't the match the steps. Speed. And I think that the, foot, that the footprints that we find are accidents. Some of them, I think... Uh, they can, you know, walk on our ground if they want to, but I think they're able to bend space and move without touching the ground. Just like Lazar explains how, you know, UFOs move. And I don't know if you guys have ever gotten into that on your podcast, but, you know, a real simple way to think of bending space for people that uh, aren't aware of it. You know, if you take a trampoline and you put a bowling ball in the middle of it, so the trampoline is space and you put a bowling ball in the middle of the trampoline and you go to the edge and you drop a marble the marble is going to go towards the bowling ball okay and the, the trampoline is space and the marble is sasquatch let's say okay or 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 or, or, or a ufo spacecraft uh is the marble so as the marble goes towards that bowling ball in the middle you move the bowling ball well, the marble is going to follow the bowling ball because you're bending the trampoline. You're bending space. So that's how Lazar says these, because he was, you know, allegedly reverse engineered some of these craft that the government, you know, uh, have. And right. he's saying that's how the UFO spacecraft, spacecraft move. They bend space 
and the aircraft falls into that bent space, just like the marble is falling towards the bowling ball. Okay. So I think that Sasquatch, it's possible that they're able to bend space and time and light, and they're able to do this. And that might be how they move sometimes, you know? And so that's why sometimes you see one footprint and it disappears, or you see five footprints and then they disappear. You know, maybe they accidentally touched the ground as they were moving, bending space and moving. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of other theories that go along with that. So if you can bend space around you, what, what else does that do? What does that mean? You know, so what happens if I shoot a bullet into a section of space that has been bent, you know, Uh so what happens to that? Does it just drop? Does it deflect? It doesn't go straight. I I know this, it doesn't go straight. You know that. I mean, the trajectory will be altered. I don't think, yeah, I don't think you have to be an engineer to say if I bend space and time and I can bend light and I shoot a bullet into that area, that it's going to fly straight. It's not going to fly straight. You know, I don't know what happens to it. Maybe it's like the matrix, you know, where he stops the bullets, you know, coming at him, you know, in the matrix, all these bullets and they just drop to the ground. I don't know. The matrix is allegory for many a thing. It is because there have been a lot of um, encounters where hunters say they have shot them. You know, hunters, Mm. hunters say they've unloaded clips of rounds on these things and it just doesn't seem to affect them at all. Now, I'm not saying they, they bend this space all the time. They're walking around all the time. I think it's like getting out of a portal. They can interact with us and move around as they see fit in our right. world. But I think that maybe when they sense danger or a hunter pointing a gun at them or whatever it might be, that they are able to boom, like it, maybe it's infrasound also, and able to bend space and time around them, which would one help them move fast Two, keep them away from danger and three maybe even if you're bending light it can make you invisible it can make you cloak you know around you sure heck we can bend light in a laboratory right now so who's to say that if they're bending space and time and light that they can't just pretty much disappear when i say disappear i don't mean physically disappear i mean visually optically 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 disappear. disappear yes they're still there but they, they pretty much become, uh, you, you would say, invisible because they're able to, you know, bend the light around them. So that explains so much, Phil. I mean, don't you think, if you think about all these Sasquatch encounters, these things, they seem to disappear. Their footprints all of a sudden disappear. Yep. You know, you can't shoot them. They're moving weird and gliding across the ground. I mean, who's to say they can't bend light in space? I mean... It sounds, I know it sounds far-fetched to a lot of people, but what we're, what we're trying to explain right now is not working. So I think we need to open our minds up and think of some other ways to explain these weird things that surround Sasquatch. Well, that's the, that's the thing. And it, it, it's, it, it ties into what you were, what you were mentioning earlier, just in how, you know, what, what's the, how, how do you attempt to solve, to solve a problem? And one way is to force whatever it is that you're trying to describe into a model <laughs> that you say is, is how things are. And the other way is to relax the model and say, okay, how can the model adjust itself to better describe what's actually being observed? 
and I think your model that, 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 you're, that you're presenting frees up a lot of constraints that, that, that have always been around. And to be honest, I've always been, you know, in, in my mind personally, about, about Bigfoot. I, I think I've always been a believer. But again, it's always been in the sense that, oh, there's a lot of acreage out there. There's a lot of unexplored. This is some physically real creature. But still, I was troubled by the nature of eyewitness accounts that follow a, you know, a very nonlinear kind of weird storyline and have a kind of a paranormal aspect to them. So your model fits all of that. It's like, okay, what, what if just for the sake of argument, we think of Bigfoot Sasquatch as an alien visitor that is consciously interacting with our world, but they're not of this world. Yeah. I mean, that's scary. That frees up all the rules of just, you know, it is scary, but it's no different than you mentioned the, the, the government admission about UFOs uh, recently. And, you know, that wasn't even a minor headline. Like people are so seemingly desensitized yeah. to, you know, that was rewind the clock 50 years. And that was a big deal. No way was the government going to admit that there were flying objects of non-terrestrial origin. No way would they admit that because that right. led to the next thought, which was, well, that means there's non-terrestrial intelligence. And that means that all of Earth's religious institutions and pyramid schemes or whatever are, no pun intended, uh, are, you know, false. And in society would break down. People would just be running around like chickens with their heads cut off and there'd be panic in the streets. Yeah. yeah. You know, Hollywood has, and others have desensitized us to that. That hasn't happened with Bigfoot. Bigfoot is, is more of a, it's, it's less mainstream than, than the topic of UFOs. So it would probably have the same impact. So if the government next week announced that, oh, well, yep, their Sasquatch is real, the Navajo were right. <laughs> yeah, you know we're we're finally going to admit it. I think that would scare people. Well, you know, it's like, whoa, this is this is a creaturey thing. This isn't like some metal object that's kind of a level removed from humanity. This right. is like some creature. Well, you know, a UFO coming in and floating around and then leaving. I think people are just like, okay, well, who cares? They're not messing with us. And then, like you said, okay, well, what if we got this thing that's interacting with us? Okay, well, if the government ever did admit to it, they would act like it's just another animal, you know, because, okay, well, it's an animal. That's a little freaky because they're huge, but that's not as bad as, oh, no, this is an, uh, an alien that is down here interacting on our planet and going around. That would freak people out bad. I mean, if a UFO just yeah. comes in and flies away, people don't care. But man, if you got something walking around in the woods from another planet or from somewhere else in the universe, I mean, that right. would freak people out. And the layers stack on that. Not only is some creature popping into our convenience store for a quick bite and then taking off, they're not even doing it inside a car. Right. They're not doing it inside a UFO. This is a creature that is that has the ability to, of its own body, bend space and time and, and travel these portals. Yeah, that's that's to me, that's a little bit more frightening and sophisticated than an alien entity that has to build some piece of hardware right. to accomplish that task. Like I can I can almost relate to the grays and saying, well, you know, we, maybe someday we'll be able to build, right. you know, gravity vendors and whatever and we'll climb climb aboard. And like that kind of fits our model of how the world works, whereas to just do it with pure creature power, that's like, oh, that's intimidating. <laughs> Yeah, we, you know, the, the mind is a fascinating 
thing, the brain. And uh, I don't think we've scratched the surface on the things that, that maybe our brain or our mind can do. Maybe mm -hmm. maybe we don't have the ability, but you, you know all the experiments, Phil, where people go into a, a room with plants in it and they start talking mean to one plant or they think these things and do this and that and that plant dies and they go in this other room and they're talking nice to this other plant or whatever it is and or thinking good things and this one flourishes. You know, I think and, and you know, of course, we do have people that have ESP and psychic abilities. So there are things that that I think are, are that the mind can do. And so maybe there are other species that can do different things with their mind, you know, or with this sure. or with this infrasound or whatever it might be. You know, if a Sasquatch's head is twice the size of ours and his brain is, you know, 50 percent bigger, 25 percent bigger, who's to say that they don't have other things that they can do with their mind, you know, like bending space or light or, you know, maybe that's why they're able to see in a different part of the uh, the EMF spectrum because their, their brain is bigger. You know, the optic nerves or whatever it is going to their eyeballs, to their brain, allow them to see more. I don't know. Do you think there have been, again, kind of putting this alien type picture, traditional aliens, a part of that storyboard is, oh, there has been some successful or cooperative interaction with humans. Do you think that's true of Bigfoot? I, I guess the, what comes to mind is I'm thinking of the stories from the Himalaya mountains or Native American stories where villages have had some sort of cooperative trading relationship or something with these with these creatures. Do you think, do you believe that that is true, that that has happened, that there's been some kind of yeah, I think they, intellectual? I think in, a, in, in some sort of uh, theories or in some sort of instances thousands of years ago, or whatever, maybe they coexisted in a way with these things hmm. because we didn't pose as much of a threat to them back then. Right. What do you got a bow and an arrow, right. Or, or whatever. But I think uh, over the evolution of time, you know, as humanity has advanced and excelled with technology and weapons and, and whatnot, I think that, you know, they have driven these things off from coming here as often or, or being exposed as often because, I mean, think about it. If you're a, a, an alien or UFO or something from another planet and you come down here and you're watching us on Earth, we're a pretty destructive race. I mean, I would be for sure. I would be scared of us. Right. You got nuclear weapons. You got guns in every house, knives. You have a lot of things that can do harm to, you know, probably a lot of species. But if I'm a gravity bending. Right. Bigfoot who is impervious to bullets and can spot a camera a mile away. What, what, what am I going to be afraid of? What's the part of the model that and I, and I totally agree with everything you're saying. I'm just trying, trying to kind of probe the edges of it and think, well, like I, I don't think they'd have any reason to fear our technology because they'd still view it as, I as, just think as primitive. It's just math and numbers. Let's say me and you, okay. Let's hmm. say there's only a hundred people on earth and we have the ability to travel you know, through portals, space and time, whatever you want to say. And me and, and you and I go to another planet full of little tiny two foot people, aliens or whatever you want to call them. And we are the dominant people. We're bigger, we're stronger. We think we're smarter. We can travel through portals and we go there. If there's however many billion people on this other planet, we're not going to take over that place. You know what I mean? We're still going to be afraid, me and you. When we get there, we're going to be uncomfortable and afraid. True enough. I, I just think it's mass and numbers. So, so what's, the, what's the breakthrough? What's the way 
what's a possible way to communicate with these creatures in a friendly way or have some sort of, it seems like if they've entered into trading relationships or had some sort of communicative relationships with native or indigenous cultures in the past, that that's, that's a possibility. Well, they have, they have, but a lot of the tribes are afraid of them. You know, they say to stay away from them, that they're dangerous. A lot of the tribes, uh, legends say that they're very dangerous and they don't, they don't like interacting with them. They don't want to be around them. Huh. So, so the, do you think they have a hostility if you get to, I think there could be, but I don't think we understand each other. You know, I, I, we're just yeah. different things. We're different species. It's just like, yep. it's just like a, yeah, like I, I like to hunt and fish. So yeah, you know, I, I have no problem, you know, shooting a deer, let's say, but it's just like, if you walk outside, it, it, you're a totally nice person. You're not a hunter and you don't want to hurt the deer and you just want to go feed it or whatever you walk out there, it's still going to run, you know, and it's because yeah, we're not sure we're not on the same communication level with that animal as we are with each other. And so I don't know if we can communicate with them. I just think it's uh, another animal uh, from another planet that comes here every once in a while, or maybe even stays here sometimes. Think about all the other, um, you know, cryptid sightings, not just Sasquatch. Yeah. Dogman, Mothman, whatever, you know, whatever you want to talk about. There have been sightings of other creatures on Earth. Yep. So who's to say that these are just creatures that have these abilities that we don't even know about that are just coming over here and going back? Yeah. And your model fits and captures all of those, I would say. Yeah. Up to and including things that aren't necessarily categorized as cryptids, like ghosts or, you know, other orbs or, or other you know, kind of spiritual quasi paranormal encounters. And maybe it's just a numbers game. Like if you made a spectrum of, or a a graph of the number of sightings of, you know, gray aliens versus Sasquatch type creatures versus Dogman versus Mothman versus, you know, whatever. Well, some of them appear more frequently and some of them don't. And that's okay. Right. That, that doesn't disturb that model at all. And maybe we're not, we're not, yeah, we're not meant to communicate or coexist with them. Like you said, and all those other things you're saying, maybe it's just another animal from another planet. And we're not meant to uh, get along with them and communicate with them because we're just different, different species. It's, it's fascinating. And I think you've, you've developed a, a model that covers all the things that are at the core or peripheral to Bigfoot lore. And if people could accept a model like that for gray aliens, for example, then plug in any other of these mysterious creatures into that and just consider them the same. And all of a sudden, okay, well, that just kind of expands possibilities. And in my mind, anyway, I, I'm, you've, you've convinced me. <laughs> I mean, I have to admit at first I was like, ah, you know, I, I wanted to hold on to my model. My model was the, you know, kind of the classic model of, well, now this is just some shy creature in the woods. That's covered in hair, you know, it's just kind of undiscovered. And, and I have to share there, there, there are some things that this really inspires in me, in my thinking, I'm just going to drop a bunch of keywords that are just kind of potential tie-ins to this, that our audience can continue to research and explore. And then I'm going to kind of circle back around and well, maybe we can close. You can, you can share some of your favorite resources with us. Some of the other things that this conversation brings to mind are Things like ley lines, which are you know the energy, the energetic lines that are the geometric lines on on Earth, right. and where historic sites like Stonehenge and, and whatnot have been built 
you know, because it's a known energy vortex energy center mm-hmm. and how those could be, those could correspond to what you described as the, as the Rubik's cube, you know, kind of the portal travel line model. As I've mentioned, it reminds me of paranormal encounters that could easily be categorized in the same thing. If we, if we look at something that we classically called a ghost as like some apparition from another time as one of these creatures from another dimension, well, okay, all the, all the same rules apply. It makes me think of the, the strange stories that I've heard that have strange Bigfoot tie-ins. Brett and I did a, a podcast about um, the Montauk project. Mm, yeah. And one of the really, one of the strangest stories I've never been able to reconcile that came out of Montauk, which was, you know, all sorts of, you know, kind of deep human ability research and some uh, space-time work. One of the strangest stories that ever came out of that was when when things were kind of in the in the in the heyday. They they had a they had a breakthrough where they where they popped open a a space time portal and apparently all this occurred under alien direction for potentially nefarious purposes. By the way, but anyway, out of this portal popped something that everyone described, everyone on the base described as a Sasquatch type creature that ran amok and destroyed a bunch of equipment on the on the base. And there were multiple sightings of this thing. And I thought what the hell does that have to do with anything? Why? Right. Like, like we're talking about like alien technology and maybe remote viewing technology. And all of a sudden a Bigfoot appears and runs around like, like, are they trying to discredit the whole story by throwing in, you know, the Bigfoot bone, you know, but, but now it's like, Oh, okay. Okay. If you rip open a space time portal, well, of course that's, this is one of the creatures that, that travels those portals. So it ties into a bunch of stuff and it really fits. I don't know. A lot of, Going back yeah, to jigsaw we don't, if it's a lot of puzzle pieces in my yeah, mind as we're talking we don't know what's out we don't know what's out there phil on another planet just we just we think all animals look like animals that are here on earth you know what i mean For sure i mean there's, there's probably some weird looking things on some other planets that that we would just freak out if we saw them i mean think about them looking at us they come over here and be like they think a moose might be weird they might be looking at a moose like we look at a sasquatch and be like that's the weirdest looking animal i've ever seen you know, I mean, who knows? Right. right. In closing, what are, what are some of the, some of your favorite um, resources that you, you mentioned the Sasquatch Chronicles. That's a, is that a podcast or? Yeah. Um, a guy named Wes runs that. He's uh, it, it's pretty good. And, and he, the, the way he runs it pretty much is he just lets people talk about their encounters and mm-hmm. um, it's pretty good. Uh, they have a lot of, lot, a lot of encounters, so many encounters and episodes out there. And, you know, the biggest thing with him is he keeps his mind open. He doesn't act like anybody's crazy. He listens to everything everyone has to say. He doesn't make them feel embarrassed or stupid or crazy or anything like that. And so I think that's what you have to do in this. You have to keep your mind open to anything. You know, people will say some wacky stuff, what we think would be wacky stuff sometimes in their encounters. And you're thinking, well, they're not, you know, maybe they're not making that up. You know, maybe that's, yep. that's what happened. But, you know, I just watch a lot of the other things that other people watch here and there. And, um, you know, I watch that Skinwalker Ranch, which I think is pretty interesting because it has, I think it has to do with portals. You know, I don't have anything specific. I just listen to a little bit of everything, quite honestly. But I, I like the face-to-face encounters. I like listening to those because uh, those, those are real interesting. And uh, you put a lot of pieces together. Would you welcome a face-to-face encounter one day when you're out hunting? Do you hope to see a Bigfoot someday? Um, personally, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess, 
it can change change your life. But I think that if I've already accepted it, I don't think it would change change my perspective or my life too much uh, if I saw one. So uh, yeah, I may think it'd be kind of cool. What would you do if you did see one? Yeah. Would you just stand and observe, or would you try to interact, or would you? What What would be your response? Um, Knowing what you know, probably just stay and observe. You know, I just think there's too much we don't know about him. I don't think he should try to. You know, I don't think I would like throw an apple to him and try to feed him and coax him in or anything weird like that. I, I definitely, I, I wouldn't shoot one. I mean, people say, "Oh, I bring in a body." You know, <laughs> let's say you were able to shoot one. What are you going to do with it? You know what I mean? Like, uh, I'll tell you right now, I, I have a big freezer in my garage. It wouldn't fit in there. And who, who are you going to call? <laughs> right? I mean, hey, Phil, if I, if I shot one, you would be the first person I call. Like, hey, come get this thing because uh, the government's probably going to come to my house. So I don't want it. I don't want it. Here, t- take it somewhere. Don't call me. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I wouldn't mind having an encounter myself but I'm not going to go out there looking for them. I would probably just observe because I, I don't think they want anything to do with us either. And, uh, you know, it I, seems that way. I wouldn't want to want them to feel threatened with me, which would maybe set off some other things. So uh, I think yep. like a bear or anything else, if you don't want to interact with it, it won't interact with you. So, you know, it sounds like good advice to anybody out there in the audience that might be <laughs> fantasizing about <laughs> Their next Bigfoot encounter. Yeah. Uh, Good stuff. Well, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. Um, This is a a topic that goes deep and wide, and hopefully we covered all the the interesting aspects of it. And thanks for sharing your model of these fascinating creatures with us. That's that's good stuff. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. No, absolutely. This has been the This Perfect Day podcast where we explore all sides of conspiracies, mysteries, and other controversial topics. Make sure to check back with us soon for brand new episodes, blog articles, and much more. And if you'd like us to cover a topic that interests you, don't be shy. Reach out to us through our website, our social channels. We'd love to hear from you. I'm Phil, your host, broadcasting from Whereabouts Unknown, signing off until next time.